Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. I earned my master's degree in acting, and I earned my doctorate degree in denial. See, we women, especially us Christians, we've mastered acting. How you doing? Great! Me too! I've never had a problem in my life. I don't even need a savior. Me neither. Sherry Rose Shepherd is our guest today on Focus on the Family, and she shares a story of overcoming major challenges in life and how to admit when you need help from others and from God. With Focus on the Family President Jim Daly, I'm John Fuller. John, Sherry Rose Shepherd is a former beauty queen, and she won the Mrs. United States title in 1994. But by the time she achieved that honor, she had already learned that only Jesus Christ could give her the affirmation that she so desperately craved. So let's get rolling. I know the listeners will really be encouraged by her story. Here's Sherry Rose Shepherd, author of the series of books called His Princess, on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Well, I am honored to be in the room with so much royalty, with so many daughters of the king, so many of his princesses in one place. I think we forget who we are, don't we? We forget that we're royalty. We forget that God says, you did not choose me. I chose you. We forget that, don't we? Well, I'm a former Mrs. United States, but my real title is Misunderstood. I am a Jewish American princess that goes around the country telling people, Jesus is my king. That's misunderstood, especially by my Jewish family. And for those of you that don't know the difference between Miss America and Mrs. America, it's cellulite. (laughs) When I first won the crown of Mrs. United States, my son was in kindergarten. And in kindergarten, the big deal is show and tell. So he couldn't wait to go to school, and he says, everybody, my mommy's the new queen of the country. (laughs) And I came to pick Jacob up that day, no makeup on, my hair in a bun, and gray sweats. And when I don't wear makeup, I don't have a face. And I went to pick him up, and his teacher comes running down and goes, this is so cute. Your little boy loves you so much that he actually believes you're Mrs. America. I said, I am. She said, you're kidding. (laughs) Then I was asked if I was Miss America's mother. (laughs) But you know what's sad is when someone looks at us, the daughters of the king, his princess, and says, you're kidding. You're kidding. You're a Christian? And they don't see who Christ is. And tonight, I'm going to talk about being his princess. And I'd like to pray for you because I have learned it is not the house we live in, the accomplishments that we have, the way that we look, the possessions that we have, the job title that we wear that defines who we really are. It's the power of Christ in us that gives us purpose and gives us power and gives hope to a dying world. And I would like to pray for you, Ephesians 3, 19 and 20. I pray that you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And now to him who is able 
to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we would ever dare to ask, hope, or dream for. See, I didn't become a Christian till I was 24. And as I toured the country, I have seen many Christians that love the Lord but have never experienced exceedingly, abundantly more. At best, many of us are just hanging on to our faith for dear life, saying, God, please get me through this. Now, I grew up in a very dysfunctional Hollywood home. My father was a disc jockey in Hollywood. My mother was an actress and a beauty queen. My parents married and divorced three times each. I've been a part of five blended families. I know what it's like to have your foundation shaken. And every time I settled into a situation, there was another divorce, another affair, another thing changed. And I grew up very angry. And I made a lot of poor choices when I was a young girl. And those poor choices turned me into a person that I didn't want to be. When I was 16, I was 60 pounds overweight. I was addicted to drugs. I was angry, and I was depressed. And if one of you had walked up to me when I was in my high school field, smoking pot, hating life, and looked at me as a Christian and said, guess what? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you would ever dare to dream, hope, or ask for. Guess what? Someday, when you give your life to the Lord, God is going to use your pain for a purpose. I would have not believed you. My motivation to not allow history to repeat itself, my motivation to say, I don't have to be my parents. I didn't have to come from the perfect family because I have the perfect heavenly father. And I can look to older, godly, wise women. I can study their lives. I can ask them questions. And I can be the mom and wife that God called me to be regardless of my foundation. I don't have to lose. When I was six, 17, when I was a junior in high school, 16 and 17, I wanted to go to the prom. And I, no one asked me. And I paid my best friend's brother to take me. And while I was there, the homecoming king came and asked me if I was going to the beach party after the prom. Well, I had a crush on him and thought he was the most adorable thing I'd ever saw, and that excited me. And I said, yes, I am. Why'd you ask? He goes, because you look like a whale, and you look like you belong on the beach. And I ran into the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I made a promise to myself that I would never be fat or ugly or made fun of again. And I went on a mission to perfect myself physically. But that particular night, I was so broken by the things that this young man had said that when I was on the beach at the party trying to impress my friends and bury my pain, I almost OD'd on a drug overdose. I was brought home from the hospital and I went into my bathroom. And I was laying on the floor and I was crying. And my stepmother came in and she got on the floor with me and she put her arms around me. And she said, Sherry Rose, how long? How long are you gonna use your past as an excuse for the choices that you're making today? Sherry Rose, you can't change your mom. Sherry Rose, you can't change your dad. You can't change your friends. You can't change the things you've already done. But if you will make the right choices from this day forward, you can change the rest of your life. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, God's word says, today I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. I call on heaven and earth as a witness. Oh, that you would choose life.
I went to school for the first time knowing from the wonderful words of my stepmom that I had a choice, that I could change. I think many of our young people in this nation, the reason why they're involved in gangs and drugs and alcohol and prenatal sex, they're looking for love, they're looking for acceptance, and they think they don't have a choice. They think that that's their destiny in life because of the wrong parents or the wrong crowd or the wrong choices, they have bought the lie there's no hope and that they are stuck. Now, I went to school the next day after my stepmother encouraged me with these words, and as I went into my English class, my teacher walked up to me, hearing of my drug overdose, and walked up to me, frustrated, in front of my friends and said, Sherry Rose, you were born to be a loser. You will never amount to anything in life. In defense of my English teacher, I was a troublemaker in school, and I don't blame her for being frustrated. And if I had continued on my self-destruction road, choice after choice, she's right. I would have been born to lose. Ironically, 20 years from her comment later, I was invited to address 4,500 teachers in Sacramento in the state capital of California. And of course, teachers were my greatest fear. And I asked the man that invited me, on what basis are you asking me to be your keynote speaker? Because, by the way, I'm dyslexic, I didn't go to college, and I barely got out of high school. He said, well, I happened to see your testimony on TV and heard you were quite the teacher's nightmare, and I thought you could come and give us some hope. I said, is that what my bio's going to say? As I was sitting there on the stage, me, Barbie with a Bible, and nine educated men saying, what am I doing here? And I'm freaking out that they're all going to hate me. They're teachers. My experience with teachers wasn't a good thing. And I'm looking around the building, and I go, this building, it looks so familiar. And the Lord said, you were here. 20 years ago, smoking pot, worshiping a rock band. You're standing now in front of 4,500 teachers to tell them the power of life and death is in their tongue, and they may not get paid what they deserve, but they're educating our future. And God filled my mouth with a 15-minute inspirational, encouraging message that got me a standing ovation from my greatest fear. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. My favorite thing about Brio is that you can actually absorb stuff from it and learn. Reaching teen girls right where they're at with encouragement to grow in their faith. The stories in the Brio magazine about other people that have gone through things way worse than I have is really inspiring and uplifting. Help your teen invite God into her everyday experience with Brio Magazine. Learn more at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Brio Radio. From the Kendrick Brothers, creators of War Room and Fireproof comes Life Mark. When David Colton's birth mother unexpectedly reaches out, it leads to a staggering truth from his past. Always wondered if my biological parents think about me. She loved you, and I'm so glad that she made the choice that she did. Inspired by a true story, Life Mark. Starring Kirk Cameron and Alex Kendrick. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Only in theaters beginning September 9th. Theater and ticket information is available at lifemarkmovie.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. 
Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. See, my English teacher didn't teach God's grammar lesson because God's grammar lesson is this. Don't put a period where I have a comma because I have a plan for every life I create. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Don't put a period in your life where God has a comma because he has plans for us. And don't let someone's hurtful words define you. I ministered over 50,000 women a year, and I am telling you, when I'm at altars with women and praying with women, they can go back to one moment in time where someone said something hurtful to them, and they put it on as their identity, and they live the rest of their life under that word curse, but they won't put on who they are in Christ, a new creation, light to a dark world, called for purpose. I pray if you've been hindered by someone's word curse that tonight in Jesus' name that that would be broken and that you would leave knowing that you're his princess and that your life matters. And most of the time, you know what I have found? Hurting people hurt people. And usually those people that hurt us, we don't even want to grow up and be like. We don't respect them. We don't respect their life, but we'll take their word curses and put them on. What is wrong with that picture? When I was asked to write my first book, I have to tell you it's quite surreal having a book table for someone like myself. Being that I am dyslexic, which means that you see things backwards, so if you buy any of my books tonight, you'll have to read them backwards, but they're still anointed. <laughs> However, there was a time when dyslexia was of great benefit to me. Once I tried to take my life and I jumped behind the bus. <laughs> God showed me he's strong in my weakness and that he can take any one of us that he chooses and he chooses every one of us. He has great things for every one of us. But we're busy with our list of all our insecurities telling everybody. You know, we women can't even say thank you. Have you noticed that about us? Oh, that was wonderful that you did that. Oh, no, let me tell you all the horrible things about me. We can't just say thank you even because we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. You know, when I was a young girl after that comment of that homecoming king, I'll be honest, I wanted to be thin and pretty. That's what I wanted. I didn't know the Lord growing up. I didn't have anybody tell me about a relationship with God. I was raised in a Jewish home, but I was raised in a Jewish home that wasn't even committed to the temple. But I was told if I ever accepted Jesus as my Savior, I'd be disowned from my family. So Jesus was the last place that I was looking for a makeover. But my stepmother told me I had some choices, and she helped me lose 60 pounds, and she helped me get off drugs, and she helped me change friends. And Proverbs says that real pleasure comes from making good choices, and it does. When we have victory over temptation and we make that good choice, that pleasure is far greater than any temptation that could come our way. And all of us as Christians at one time or another have made one of those good choices and experienced the fruits of that, even when we don't feel like it. And she helped me. And I did have a complete makeover. But I didn't have the makeover, the ultimate spiritual makeover that I needed from the Lord. But when we first made me over, since my mother was a beauty queen and my father was a disc jockey from Hollywood that hosted beauty pageants, I wanted to experience being in one of those beauty pageants. So I was 19 years old in a beauty pageant for my very first time. I want you all to raise your right hand, do the figure eight wave. Okay, little, real fake smile. 
Okay, if you have big hair, whip your neighbor. Okay, you get the picture. So here I am all excited, okay? I'm 19 years old and I'm just, just sitting there and they told me just to walk and wave and smile at the judges and I was so excited to be there and so into me, I walked off the end of the runway. <laughs> and as I was down there on the floor, this is what I was thinking, honest. I still want to win. Now we all fall down. The Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will get back up again. So even if someone's pushed us down or we fall down and blow it ourselves, we can be a righteous woman and we can get up and we can win. Can't we? How many of you have fallen down and gotten back up again? We all fall down. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. So I'm laying there and I still want to win. So I pop back up on the runway and I look at the judges with my ripped up gown and bruised up body and said, I just wanted you to remember me. <laughs> they did. I won. <laughs> the moral to that story is, it's not how we act, but how we react that makes the difference. How we act is important because we're representing a king. That is important. But how we react is what really gives us an opportunity to glorify who God is. When adversity hits us and we react in a way that God would have us react, that's when people go, she's a Christian. She's a daughter of the king. I see Christ in her because we make a choice to react. Well, I didn't know the Lord, and I won that pageant, and those judges said, we figure if you could react to that situation, you could handle anything that pageant had to ha handle that year. And I learned some great lessons from you know, jumping off of a runway. <laughs> but I still wanted to feel good about my life. You know, and even though I lost the weight, and even though I finally had the attention of boys, and even though I'd improved my grades and I've got enough drugs, and those were all good choices, but I still didn't feel good about my life. It was that I'll be happy when syndrome. But I didn't want to admit it because I should have been happy. From the world's perspective, I should have been happy about my life. All these wonderful makeover beauty tips and I didn't know how to tell someone I wasn't happy. And I desperately wanted to feel good about who I was and my place in this world. So I went and earned two degrees. I earned my master's degree in acting and I earned my doctorate degree in denial. <laughs> See, we women, especially us Christians, we've mastered acting. How you doing? Great. <laughs> Me too. I've never had a problem in my life. I don't even need a savior. Me neither. <laughs> I don't know why Satan's taking me down behind closed doors. No one ever prays for me or cares for me in the church because I'm great. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. It seems right even to not burden God with your prayers because everybody else has it worse than we do. It seems right to ignore your marriage problems and just think God will fix it instead of us doing something about it. It seems right to not burden anybody in your Bible study group that you have a prayer need. It seems right. But in the end, it leads to destruction. That's exactly what the devil wants. He doesn't want us to confess our sins to one another. He doesn't want us to carry each other's burdens. He doesn't want us to pray for each other. He wants that prayer covering listed. And why we are busy being perfect, that's what he's getting. Victory. Behind closed doors. Now, I'm not saying 
that we need to be a bunch of whiners because Jesus turned the water into wine. He can't turn our wine into a thing. And I'm not saying we should dominate every single Bible study and make it our therapy session. Because do you know in one sentence you can get yourself covered in prayer? We don't even have to spend an hour doing that. We can say, you know what? I need prayer covering in this area in one sentence. Cover them in prayer and go on to the next person in the Bible study. It doesn't take a whole lot. God knows what's going on. But a prayer changes everything. A prayer changes everything. I found a Martha Stewart card. Now, I have nothing against Martha Stewart, but this card does make fun of her, and I thought it was kind of a little bit representative of us women, pretending we can do everything and everything's perfect. Martha Stewart would be so proud of me. I made this card myself. I planted the tree, cut it down, and milled the paper. I planted the garden, pressed the flowers, and I made the ink. I engraved the stamp, dyed the envelope, and boiled the glue, all while preparing a chocolate souffle and a dinner party for eight. I am now resting under Prozac I made myself. that? Piled 5,000 things on your plate that you're not even gifted to do? We all have different gifts. Everybody say it. I have a different gift. Take the gift that you have and use it to bless others. Don't try to be something you're not and don't overextend yourself. Better you would take your one gift and do it well than burn yourself out. Right? So if we don't deal truthfully what's inside of us, I have found that it deals with us. I have found that every exhaustion, illness, food addiction, depression is rooted in something God's saying, you have something and I need you to give it to me. See, if you're the mother of a toddler, many of us in this room have been the mothers of a toddler before, and they're holding a knife from the wrong end and it's sharp, you're not going to rip it out of their hands because you know that it's going to hurt their hands. What you're going to say as a loving parent is you're going to say, honey, you're holding on to something that's going to hurt you, and I need you to open your hand and hand it to me. See, God uses our emotions as warning signs, and he's saying, honey, you're holding on to something. Please open your hand and give it to me. And our doctorate in denial is not going to cover up our pain. And decorating our pain is not going to help us deal with it. And if we are, do not deal truthfully with God, because the Word of God says truth sets us free, and He's the only one that can deal with us, it will deal with us. It does deal with us. It dealt with me. I had the top of the world experience from the outside. And I started out weight loss with wonderful, healthy eating habits and exercising and got to experience the fruits of taking care of God's temple. But I didn't know the Lord at the time. And all of a sudden, four years into this healthy lifestyle, I became severely bulimic. I was throwing up my food six to eight times a day. But when I was bulimic, no one had a word for it. <laughs> So I didn't know how to go to someone and go, I eat and throw up. Is that normal? And I was in bondage. I was in what I call Barbie bondage, plastic perfectionism, something that doesn't exist. We fall in that. Well, as soon as this happens here, then I'll do this. Five more pounds, the new house, the new car, the new job, that plastic perfectionism. I couldn't stop, and I didn't want to tell anybody I failed. And I wanted people to approve of me. I wanted people to think I was an accomplished person in life. I'm not going to lie. I wanted that. 
I was a people-pleasing approval addict. I wanted the approval of man. I was addicted to praise. I loved that people noticed my weight loss. I loved winning pageants. I was addicted to it. And I was severely bulimic, and I began to cry myself to sleep every night, just like I did when I was a little girl, and my parents were fighting in the other room. Sherry Rose Shepherd on today's episode of Focus on the Family. And Jim, there is a lot of truth in what she's sharing here for both men and women. Oh, you're right, John. And I believe the Lord has really given Sherry Rose a lot of wisdom. In fact, the scripture that she referred to a minute ago is found in John chapter 8. Jesus was speaking to a group of Jewish believers, and he said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And as we heard today, Sherry Rose carried so much hurt in her heart through her teen years and into adulthood, and she learned the hard way that external appearances and success just don't satisfy, but the truth of Christ will set you free, and we'll hear how that happened for Sherry Rose next time. And, you know, Jim, as I was listening, I was thinking especially of what my three girls went through during their teen years. There was so much pressure from the culture and uh, airbrush models, uh, academic achievements of friends. Um, They had to go through a lot of different temptations and face down quite a bit. And as Christian parents, it was pretty important for Dina and me to uh, pass on our faith to our kids so they could experience freedom in Christ, uh, the kind of freedom that Sherry's been talking about. That's so true, John. Uh, Gene and I saw those pressures with Trent and Troy in their teen years as well. And of course, social media just magnifies all those voices from the world. And let me tell you, that's why we recently revived our Brio magazine for teen girls. And the response has been tremendous. In each issue, readers of Brio are encouraged to uh, grow in their faith with daily Bible readings, develop healthy relationships with friends and family, and they'll learn how to embrace healthy, Christ-honoring choices in the areas of fashion and media. So if you have a teen daughter or granddaughter, I know you'll want to subscribe to Brio Magazine. So just get in touch with us. And let me say this. If you believe that what we do is important, please support us. Pray for us and pray about how you can help financially. And when you make a donation of any amount, I'd like to say thank you by sending you Sherry's beautiful book called His Princess, Love Letters from Your King. It's designed to counter the cultural examples of airbrush beauty, what you're talking about, John, uh, with those affirmations of the value that God sees in the character of every woman. Get a copy from us today. And our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or you can donate and request your copy of His Princess by Sherry Rose Shepherd at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Couples who pray together grow together spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Even more, they grow closer to the one who wants to bless and strengthen their marriage. Focus on the Family's 10-Day Couples Prayer Challenge will help you find deeper spiritual intimacy with your spouse and help you connect at a soul level. 
Text PRAYER to 32728 to get started. That's PRAYER to 32728. And I came to pick Jacob up that day, no makeup on, my hair in a bun, and gray sweats. And when I don't wear makeup, I don't have a face. And I went to pick him up, and his teacher comes running down and goes, this is so cute. Your little boy loves you so much that he actually believes you're Mrs. America. I said, I am. She said, you're kidding. And she really was. And you're going to hear more today on Focus on the Family from Sherry Rose Shepherd. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. John, Sherry Rose Shepherd has come a long way from an angry, depressed, overweight teenager to Mrs. United States 1994, and now she's a Bible life coach and a best-selling author. In fact, Sherry's His Princess series has sold over 1 million copies in 17 languages. That is pretty amazing. That's got to bless her uh, even more than being a beauty pageant winner, I would think. I'll bet it does, and it really does speak to the hunger that women have uh, for the message that Sherry offers. Get a copy of the book that kind of launched the series from us here at Focus on the Family. It's called His Princess, Love Letters from Your King. Yeah, it's a very encouraging uh, gift book. And if you missed part one of Sherry Rose's story yesterday, uh, please get in touch with us. We can send you the entire message on CD or audio download, and you can also get it through the app for smartphones. That's right, and uh, you can find all the details at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or call us, we'll tell you more, 800, the letter A in the word family. All right, we're going to start today with a brief recap to help you get caught up. And uh, with that, here's Sherry Rose Shepherd on Focus on the Family. Now, I grew up in a very dysfunctional Hollywood home. My father was a disc jockey in Hollywood. My mother was an actress and a beauty queen. My parents married and divorced three times each. I've been a part of five blended families. I know what it's like to have your foundation shaken. And every time I settled into a situation, there was another divorce, another affair, another thing changed. And I grew up very angry. And I made a lot of poor choices when I was a young girl. And those poor choices turned me into a person that I didn't want to be. When I was 16, I was 60 pounds overweight. I was addicted to drugs. I was angry and I was depressed. The homecoming king came and asked me if I was going to the beach party after the prom. Well, I had a crush on him and thought he was the most adorable thing I'd ever saw and that excited me and I said, yes, I am. Why'd you ask? He goes, because you look like a whale and you look like you belong on the beach. And I ran into the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I made a promise to myself that I would never be fat or ugly, or made fun of again. And I went on a mission to perfect myself physically. But that particular night, I was so broken by the things that this young man had said that when I was on the beach at the party trying to impress my friends and bury my pain, I almost OD'd on a drug overdose. I was brought home from the hospital and I went into my bathroom. And I was laying on the floor and I was crying. And my stepmother came in, and she got on the floor with me, and she put her arms around me. And she said, Sherry Rose, you can't change your mom. Sherry Rose, you can't change your dad. You can't change your friends. You can't change the things you've already done. But if you will make the right choices from this day forward, you can change the rest of your life. 
But when we first made me over, since my mother was a beauty queen and my father was a disc jockey from Hollywood that hosted beauty pageants, I wanted to experience being in one of those beauty pageants. You know, and even though I lost the weight, and even though I finally had the attention of boys, and even though I'd improved my grades and I've got enough drugs, and those were all good choices. But I still didn't feel good about my life. It was that I'll be happy when syndrome. And I was in bondage. I was in what I call Barbie bondage, plastic perfectionism, something that doesn't exist. I was a people-pleasing approval addict. I wanted the approval of man. I was addicted to praise. I loved that people noticed my weight loss. I loved winning pageants. I was addicted to it. And I was severely bulimic, and I began to cry myself to sleep every night, just like I did when I was a little girl, and my parents were fighting in the other room. And I checked myself in a hotel room with a bottle of sleeping pills with the intentions of taking my life, to be honest with you. And I held those pills, and I cried at the top of my lungs, God, do you exist? You know what the Word of God says? If you seek Him with all your heart, that you will find Him. I was a desperate girl with a bottle of sleeping pills, bulimic, saying, God, do you exist? And I fell asleep that night holding those sleeping pills, and the Lord brought back a memory to me. The drug dealer that gave me the LSD that almost took my life on my prom night. A Christian invited him to a youth camp, and he gave his life to Christ. He came back the next weekend, started handing out Bible tracts, and he spent all of his junior and senior year telling everybody in the whole campus that Jesus was the way, and he started a Bible study on our campus, because when I went to high school, there was no problem having a Bible study on campuses. And it grew, and often this young man, from this wretched, angry drug dealer to this sweet face, would come up to me, and he'd get in my face, and he'd say, Sherry Rose, I'm praying for you. And Jesus says, you answer. God answers prayers. I mean, if he can transform the life of a young drug dealer that almost took my life from his drugs he sold me and have him pray over me and tell me that he is praying for me and that Jesus is the answer to my life. And I remembered that in that dream when I was holding those sleeping pills sleeping. And the next morning I got up and I wondered a little bit about Jesus. And God didn't waste any time. Because a boyfriend of mine that wasn't even a Christian said, would you like to go over tonight to my grandparents' house for dinner? Well, his grandparents were missionaries to Albania. And when missionaries pray for you, you just get saved because they wreck your sinful life and all the joy that's in it. <laughs> and their lives changed mine. And their lives caused me to thirst for righteousness. And they asked me, what do you want more than anything? I said, I want to be Miss USA. They said, let me tell you about the greatest crown of all. It's not a crown appointed by man. It's the crown of life appointed by God. And if you will accept Jesus as your Savior, he will do exceedingly, abundantly more than you'd ever dare to dream, hope, or ask for. Way better than any worldly crown. I said, I can't. I'm a Jew. They said, when you're ready, you call on the name of Jesus, and he'll answer. And I'm sure they faithfully prayed for me because 30 days later in a hotel room again with a bottle of sleeping pills, this Jewish American princess said, Jesus, if you're the son of God, if you're the savior, if you could transform my life like you transformed my friend the drug dealer's life, I pray that you'd come into my life and that you would transform me. Not in a church, by myself, in a hotel room, me and God. The next day I went to work out at a health club and two girls walked up to me, obviously God-ordained, and said, are you a Christian? I said, I have no idea. I think so. <laughs> and
And I told them what happened. And they said, you're a Christian. And they discipled me for two years. And in two years of discipling me, they would say to me, someday you're going to speak and share this story across the nation. You are now a daughter of the king. Your name has now been written in the book of life. And praise God that God interceded those people to teach me the word. And I stand before you tonight as a former drug addict, bulimic from a dysfunctional home. He who the son has set free is free indeed. He who the son has set free is free indeed. See, we don't need to impress each other with how perfect we are. We, don't, we need to bless each other. Do you know that if you will pray that God will use you to be a blessing, you won't care about impressing each other anymore, and you will find those intimate friendships that you're longing for? Because when you do that, you take the focus off yourself, and it becomes on God using you to bless someone else. And Proverbs says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed, Right? We don't need more self-confidence. Our young people and our older women, all women, do not need to be building their life on self-confidence that can be shaken. How many of you know self-confidence can be shaken? We need God-confidence. We need God-confidence that can't be shaken. Self-confidence can be erased in one person's sentence. God-confidence. We weren't created to fit into an image of this world. We were created to stand out. We really do need to be that salt because our world right now has lost its craving for God because we are not seeing ourselves the way God does. So we're not causing them to thirst for righteousness. My pastor said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But he said, you can feed him salty peanuts. (laughs) And our life is the salty peanuts and our choices. And if we don't get a grip on who we are in Christ, because I think, for me, the greatest deliverance is from myself. How many of you can say amen to that? I cause most of my own problems. We are his princesses, daughters of the Most High King. I was in New York with my husband, and I'd never been to the big city, and I really wanted to see it. So the pastor and his wife, after we ministered, were nice enough to take us into the city. And before we went in, the four of us prayed for a divine appointment. And when we were there in this wonderful little bakery, two girls walked up to me and said, are you a celebrity? I said, I am. My father created the heavens and the earth. He's the king of kings. <laughs> Excuse me? I said, my father's a king, the king of kings? Do you know who God is? He said, well, yes, we know who God is. We're Jewish. I said, what a coincidence. So is my Savior. <laughs> and I began to share. Well, we, they said, well, we go, went to, you know, we just got out of drug rehab. You know, only perfect people go to church. I said, well, let me share with you a story. And as we began to share, one girl was talking. The other girl was listening. She began to cry uncontrollably. And she said, are you guys angels? I said, we are far from angels. I said, but this morning, believe it or not, the four of us got together and we said, God, we know there's someone in this city that needs to know that you love them and needs to know how special they are to you. And God ordained this moment at 10 o'clock p.m. in this restaurant in New York City so you could have your name written in the book of life and become his princess. Will you pray with us? We prayed with them. 
This should not be an exceptional story for a Christian. This should be a daily occurrence. Now, many of us don't have the gift to talk. Praise God, we have some that have the gift of listening. <laughs> and you may say, well, I don't feel comfortable talking to a stranger. You can walk by and pray for a stranger. You can show grace. You can do an act of service. It's amazing how God can use us. We all have different gifts. He's going to use us in different ways. It's that do we desire to be used by him? What is abundant, exceedingly abundantly? You know from experience, if you have been used by the Lord, you gain great God confidence, and it's an awesome feeling, and it's better than any makeover, isn't it? That feeling of knowing that your life made a difference in someone else's is the most awesome high you could ever imagine. Better than any shopping spree, better than any spa day, better than any new house, better than anything is knowing my life mattered. My life changed that person's life because of the power of God working in me. That's the exciting thing. See, weight loss could change my body, but it couldn't change my life. It couldn't change my life. It could only change my body. And makeup could cover up my blemishes, but they couldn't cover up my insecurities. Clothes could make me feel cool, but they couldn't make me content. And attention, which I was addicted to, could make me feel popular, but it could not give me purpose. It couldn't fill me up. Boys could make me feel pretty, but they couldn't take away my pain. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. What is building up your teen girl's belief system? And that's the main thing, actually, that I've gotten from the Brio magazine since I've gotten them, is just how to stay strong in your faith and how to just every day rely on God for everything, even if you're having a wonderfully good day or just an absolute terrible one. Discover how Brio Magazine can capture the heart and faith of your teen girl at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Brio Radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. See, I used to think that the best version of my hair wasn't enough because I only have four pieces. And I wanted big hair really bad. Okay, being raised in Southern and Northern California, there's lots of big hair there. So, and I never had the big hair. So I happened to see an infomercial that said I could have big hair. So I bought a pound of it that went down to my bottom. I speak all over the country. So if I walked in here with hair extensions, you don't know I don't have big hair. So I couldn't wait to get to my next booking with my big hair. Okay, I'm whipping it all over the place because I'm so into the hair that doesn't even belong to me. So I'm just like, you know, I just want to speak like this. You know? And I went get ready to do my second session. And the woman hugs me and says, you've been such a blessing to us. And she's like, you know, eight inches taller than me and unclips tons of it. But I have it so teased up. I used to tease my hair so much it finally attacked me. You know, I mean, I had it so teased up and I had all these clips in her that I didn't notice that she unclipped it. Okay, so I'm up here speaking, and my hair is falling out all around me, and women are going like this. And, and I could hear the Lord say to me, even the numbers of hair on your head I know, and I don't recognize any of those. That's what I could hear him say.
need, we just need to become the best version of ourselves. My obvious deliverance was from hair bondage. <laughs> you know, when I became a mom, I began to think about my relationship with my mother. And even though I had a wonderful relationship with my stepmother who invested great things in my life, when I was pregnant with my son, I truly began to think about, I need a relationship with my mom. I just don't want to pass any generational curses over to the next generation by my own unforgiveness. And I pretended pretty well because I had a great stepmom. It doesn't bother me that I haven't talked to my mom since I was 14. You know, of course it did. But I had my doctorate in denial, so I had convinced myself it did not. And so I had written my mom a letter to let her know that she was going to be a grandmother, and I wanted her to meet her grandson and to be back in my life. And it had been a lot of years since my parents divorced. They divorced when I was 13. And I got a box in the mail from my mom that I was very excited about. I thought it was a gift. And it had my baby shoes in it, my birth certificate, and it had my baby clothes and pictures, and it had a stick -em on my birth certificate. I wish you'd never been born. No one caused me greater pain than you. See, when we don't deal with our pain and our past, we do, whether we want to or not, pass it on to the next generation. My mom loved me, but she was paralyzed by pain. She longed to love me. She wanted a daughter all her life, just like I wanted a daughter all my life. But she was paralyzed by the pain of her past and wasn't free by God to love me the way that she wanted to. I cried out to God. I said, God, I don't feel like it's my fault that my parents divorced. I don't feel like it's my fault that I had to make a choice who to live with. I don't feel like I did anything wrong, God. And I felt the Lord just say to me, either did I, but I went to a cross for you. And through a bucket of tears, I wrote a letter to my mom asking her to forgive me for whatever I had done to cause her to regret giving birth to me, never once bringing up anything that she or my father had ever done. Today, my mother is born again. God has restored everything that's been lost. I want to tell you something tonight. You want to have the abundant life, the exceedingly abundantly more than you'd ever dream? It comes from obedience. Obedience brings a breakthrough. There's no other way. There's ways that seem right, but in the end it leads to destruction. But obedience brings the breakthrough. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses' last words before he died, he said to God's people, God wants to bless you, but your blessing is dependent upon your obedience. And he says, if you don't, obey the Lord, not only will you rip yourself off of the blessings of God, but you'll lift his shield of protection off of you. Obedience brings the breakthrough. As my dad would say, lose the battle and win the war. God's amazing. He does exceedingly abundantly more than we'd ever dare to ask, dream, or hope for. I never dreamed I would be in the ministry either. I had no idea the plans that God had for me. I know he says he has plans to give us a hope and a future. And God opened up a gift inside of me that I didn't even know I had through a very embarrassing moment. My husband went to seminary at Talbot University, and I was sitting at a dinner with him with several university professors and their wives. And one of the women in front of everybody said, I heard you were fat, Jewish, and on drugs. What happened? I began to share my story. And when I left that dinner, I said to my husband, I am glad I never have to do that again. And a few weeks later, that same woman called me at my home. And she said, I'm the director of a Christian leadership organization, and we have 400 leaders from across the nation coming to Arizona. And I was wondering if you could come and share your story for these leaders. I said, first of all, lady, I am not coming and sharing my story with 400 Christian leaders that have never sinned before. <laughs> she said, Sherry Rose, 
God didn't pull you out of that dark place for you to keep it to yourself. He pulled you out so you can pull others out also. Well, being Jewish, you can manipulate me by guilt. So I took her up on her offer. She gave me 45 minutes in which I took 15 and ran off of the platform. A few weeks later, Steve said, we have a few messages on our voicemail of women from different parts of the country that would like you to come and share at their women's conferences. I said, what is it with these Christian women? I'm not a speaker. And they, I'll never forget when I returned the first phone call and they asked me what I charged to come and speak. And I said, let me get this right. You want to pay me to come talk about myself? That's a job I could do. <laughs> All my life, there's only two things I love to do, and that's eating and talking. I had no idea that God was going to take the one gift, which I didn't even realize was a gift, and use it for him. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we'd ever dare or dream hope for. 1 Corinthians 2.9, as it is written, eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things in which God has prepared for those who love him. If no one ever affirms you, if you never get the things that you think you want, you have it all if you know Christ. You have been chosen by the God of the universe to represent him as his princess. Our character our character is what's going to carve out the future. Our choices is what's going to rebuild America. Our character, our choices, the way we see ourselves. The Bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue. Do you realize that we can use our words to change the course of lives by one timely word? Well, we certainly heard a timely word today from our speaker on Focus on the Family. That's Sherry Rose Shepherd reminding each and every one of us that we've got to reach out to those around us who are hurting and who need encouragement. It doesn't take much to make a difference in a person's life. That's right, John, and Sherry Rose can use our encouragement as well. Seven years ago, she received a serious cancer diagnosis, but she's been fighting back and giving God the glory while continuing to minister to women across North America. But recently, uh, she's had a bit of a setback, and she is asking for prayer while she undergoes intensive treatment through November. So please pray for this godly woman of encouragement. Uh, you know, the Lord works so powerfully through Sherry Rose. In fact, uh, the last time we aired this message, uh, we had an avalanche of positive response, including notes from two women who said her story saved them from suicide. Mm. Think of that. That is remarkable. I'm so excited that Focus, along with uh, Sherry Rose, could be a conduit for the Lord to help those two women particularly, and who knows how many others pull back from the brink of suicide. That is where Focus wants to be, standing in the gap for people who are at the end of their rope and who don't know where to turn. That's why we have a counseling department here. That's why we have resources and tools to help you get on a better pathway and feel God's peace in your life. Don't hesitate. Call and let us know what's going on, and we'll provide you some biblical wisdom, and if needed, introduce you to your creator, Jesus, and he will begin making the crooked things in your life straight. Right. We're here for you, and our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. 
call and uh, have a conversation with our staff, maybe request a callback from one of our caring Christian counselors. It's actually that easy. We had another caller respond to this program by saying, my ex-husband was abusive, and in the midst of my deep suffering, I gave up on God. But today, by accident, I heard your program with Sherry Rose, and I felt like it was God's gift to me. I called your 800 number, received prayer and some resources to help me reconnect with the Lord. I have a sense of peace for the first time in years. Thank you, Focus on the Family. Oh, that's wonderful, Jim, and having that sense of peace is such a gift from God. Uh, One of the reasons I've loved working here is because of things like that. This program in particular, uh, people respond with uh, thanksgiving for what God has done. And it's a reminder of all the pain that so many people experience and uh, the tremendous ways God equips the body of Christ to respond uh, through our counseling team here or the staff uh, creating resources like our magazines, websites, these broadcasts. There's so much Focus has to offer to people in their struggles. Yeah, and Focus on the Family is like a treasure chest of resources and help, and uh, really God's goodness. It sounds kind of corny, but it's true. We have the goods, and we want to share them with you if you're in need. Uh, You know, I always enjoy it when people say they accidentally heard Focus on the Family. Uh, We get several of those comments every month, and I just know the Lord has had that plan from the beginning of the universe. Mm -hmm. Think of it. In that moment, a woman would turn on her car radio or a man would come across the podcast and hear exactly what they needed to hear. The Lord is the one that orchestrates those divine appointments, and we're just happy to play whatever role he has for us. It really is an honor to be tools in his hand for ministry. And I want to invite you to join us as we impact the lives of people who need help and hope. Focus on the Family is a nonprofit ministry supported by friends just like you. We can't do this alone, and together we are touching lives and making a difference. I hope this testimony of Sherry Rose and of others who were touched is motivation enough to help you support this ministry. And when you make a donation of any amount today, I'd like to express our appreciation by sending you a beautiful gift book written by Sherry Rose Shepherd called His Princess, Love Letters from Your King. It's a timeless scriptural reminder for women of all ages of their worth and value as God's daughters. Yeah, I can't think of a better book to help equip a young woman to uh, give her that godly confidence needed to make her way in this world. Um, get your copy when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800 800- or donate online and request that book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.